It sure is. It is three minutes after one o'clock on a, uh, can I say lovely Sunday? Okay. For some it is, I guess. Uh, either way, we're here and ready to go. We're so glad you tuned into the show. Employment law is what we discuss. It is a massive topic for everybody, not just over the last couple of years during the pandemic, but uh, overall and going forward, you've got to have your ducks in a row. You've got to know your employment rights. And I want to mention off the top as well, in addition to this hour-long show that Lior and I do every Sunday, you will catch us on CP24 with Ask a Lawyer on TV for half an hour. That is Wednesdays at 9.30 p.m. So feel free to tune into that. In fact, if you call the show here today, sometimes your calls might end up in a show there and uh, we'll get to discuss them. In that regard, you can always call in. We'd love to have you on the show here today, calling in live. The phone line's open and set 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010. Get in on the discussion. As we say, be that third voice on air with us. Ask your questions. There's no dumb questions. Get some quick answers and at least stop scratching your head with maybe an employment issue, personal or otherwise, that you've been wondering about for some time. 416-872-1010. Email answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Today on the show, answering some questions Lior gets from his clients about termination and severance. We've whittled this down from about a million to enough we can contain within the hour. So we'll get to those here in just a bit. But again, your phone calls live are always top priority. So don't hesitate to, uh, to call in and reach out. But the week that was, pal, what do you got cooking today? Johnny, great to be here. Uh, you know, the weather could be nicer, but in here, we're still doing what we need to do. We're still solving problems. We're still informing the masses about such an important topic, employment law, of course. So if you're out there right now, maybe you just finished shoveling and you, you want to understand what to do tomorrow when you go to work, well, maybe now is the time to pick up the phone and call. Maybe you're worried about losing your job. Maybe your boss has said that, hey, there's going to be some changes coming up. And you want to know what to do about that. Do they have the right to make those changes? And how should you respond? Well, a great time to do it, to, to do something about it is now by calling us on the show. If it has to do with your job, if it has to do with work, if it has to do with this large topic of employment law, you're listening to the right show, the only show really that deals with these issues. And of course, beyond your calls, which we want to take over the next hour, happy to talk to you privately. You can reach me in the office. We'll give you that contact information various times on the show. So stay tuned for that. But week that was, I always like to start off with a couple of matters that came across my desk. Now, uh, there have been some stories in the news about some, some large employers, uh, largely in the tech industry, that have let go masses of uh, massive amounts of people, a large amounts of people. I'm not going to mention names here. Names are not important, but all you have to do is look at the news, look on you know Google, and you'll find out these large companies letting people go. Well, a lot of them have been calling us, and you know I've spoken on the show before about the fact that getting the severance wrong is not just something that small employers do. Large employers do that as well. And man, oh man, these large companies uh, who's let go so many employees over the past few weeks, they've gone it wrong so often, uh, so much. And so it's just an, an example of how large companies get it wrong. It's, it's just one matter that came uh, right before the weekend. I spoke with a 21-year employee, 21-year employee for a large retailer, not going to mention names here. And he, as long as many others uh, from that company were let go. So after 21 years, the company offered him 30 weeks of severance, 30 weeks. <laughs> well, that's not good, okay? 30 weeks, that's, I don't know, right around seven months, let's call that. Well, he's probably owed about 18 months of severance. He's owed more than three times what he wow. was offered. And there was no reason, no legal basis to underpay him that much, to offer him such a terrible terrible severance package. The good news is he didn't sign. 
the good news is he called me and I'm going to help him as well as many others that have called me. But I just wanted to remind everyone, large employers, I know people believe, well, they're a big company. They're all over the place. They've let go 150 people. They must know what they're doing. No, not at all. Either they don't know what they're doing or they hope that you don't know what uh, the law is. So now I want you to think about that. If you've been one of these people affected by some mass layoffs over the past few weeks, call. Do not sign that severance letter. Chances are you're owed a lot more than what you've been offered. Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting, too, because I think the whole border mentality uh, plays into this, both on the part of the company, when you're talking about these tech companies in particular, and the people that work for them, they figure, well, I was told this because it's an American company, so that's what they do in America, so I guess I get nothing up here. Couldn't be more in- incorrect, right? Couldn't be more incorrect. You could try to be more incorrect, but you probably wouldn't succeed. No, because it's the laws of where you physically are located, where you work that matter. So if you work in Ontario, doesn't matter if the company's headquartered in the state of Nevada. It's the laws of Ontario that are going to apply to you. And that's a huge deal because in the U.S., whatever the state is, the laws there are going to be minimal. Whereas here in Ontario, we have really, really good employment laws. So, no, it doesn't matter where the company's based out of. It matters where you work. That's the law that applies to you. Again, guys, phone lines open, ready to rock here. It is only uh, eight minutes after one. We're just getting warmed up here on a Sunday afternoon on the Employment Law Show. 416-872-1010. Email answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And as uh, Lior made a quick mention there, there's a website you can use as well. The one that's top of mind, super handy, called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Why is it good? Well, it, it, it covers a lot of the things we talk about on this show and our TV show every week for absolutely free. You'll also have access to what we call the severance pay calculator. That used to be its own standalone site. It's been rolled into Pocket Employment Lawyer for convenience. It's free. It's anonymous. And over 2 million of us, 2 million of us have used it and realize exactly what that uh, that number should be when it comes to, to severance and all that. But want to get into this before we start taking our phone calls here. Lior, answer uh, recent questions you got about termination and severance. Um, first one is this, you know, when you give your assessment of a person's severance, how accurate is that assessment? And is it quote unquote, the law? That's the question you get, right? I get that ass often. So Lior, you, you, you're saying I'm owed 16 months severance. Well, is that really accurate? Is that the law? Well, think about it. I'm not here giving just opinions. It doesn't matter what I think at the end of the day. It matters what the law is, right? I, uh, the law doesn't care what I think. The law cares what you know. Our, our laws, our legislatures, our courts have said over the years. So that means if I assess your entitlement to being 16 months severance, 24 months severance, whatever it is, that's the legal assessment. That's what the law provides for you. And yes, it is accurate because, you know, we have 150 years of precedence to go on and to go by. So, yeah, it's not controversial. It's not complicated. Now, generally, uh, whenever someone asks me about the accuracy of my uh, uh, of my assessment when it comes to severance, they also say, well, wait a second. I see online that I only get a week per year. So, you know, mm-hmm. four weeks, four years, four weeks. You're telling me it's eight months. Wait a second. How, how right is that? Well, let's be very clear. What you see online, if you go, let's say, on the Ministry of Labor's website, is only your minimum entitlements. Not your full legal entitlements, just your minimum entitlements. And frankly, we don't care about your minimum entitlements. It's not relevant. What's relevant is what are your full entitlements, the total real amount that you're actually owed. So yes, your minimum entitlements may be four weeks as an example, but your full entitlements can be 10 times that. 
That's why it's so important to get proper legal advice, not to go to Google to try to determine what you're owed. Uh, that's a surefire way to getting wrong information. So yes, when you hear my assessment of your severance, it is accurate. 416 uh, 8721010. 416-872-1010 is the number to reach us and get uh, live here on air and ask your questions. Number two, and this, this, is, this is kind of sometimes where people put the brakes on when they decide to pursue something and go after that severance number, which is really inaccurate as we just mentioned. And that is, does taking you know, a quote-unquote legal action, Lior, against my former employee mean taking them to court? Because like, a lot of people are gun-shy to do that. They watch a lot of American TV. Yeah, and, and I've seen people, you know, I, I've seen people refer their family members to me, let's say, and say, oh, you know, you lost your job, you should talk to Lior. Oh, no, no, I'm not interested in taking my employer to court. I don't want right. that. Yep. Well, wait a second. Let's take a huge, large step back here. The fact that you're getting legal advice or even taking legal action against your former employer doesn't mean you're going to court. You're not taking anyone to court. The chances of you ever taking to court, going to court are very, very slim. Maybe 1% of cases. That's a tiny amount. Actually make it to court. Matters resolve. And usually within a few weeks. To me, going to court is, is is like, you know, court is a bad word. It's not something that I wish to do for my clients. It's not something that is a goal. The goal is to get my clients what they're owed. And oftentimes, they don't even need to take legal action. So I, I'm, I'm here to tell you that you should never be afraid of the legal process. Not when it comes to employment law. There are other legal processes that may be more intimidating, longer, more complicated, that may require you to go to court. Not when it comes to employment law, not when it comes to, let's say, wrongful dismissal, constructive dismissal, even discrimination, human rights, harassment. Those matters tend to resolve very, very quickly. So don't be afraid of the process. Don't be assuming anything about what's going to be involved in getting these matters resolved. Like I said, usually a few weeks we can get it resolved on the best terms possible and you move on with your life. Yeah, and I think part of what you said, you know, in the past 10 years we've been doing the show is that when you think about going to court, I mean, the employer or former employer doesn't want to do that because it's going to be costly to them just to figure out in the end of it that they were wrong in the first place. So why would they get their legal team involved and go through all this rigmarole when they could just settle with you for what they should have done in the first place, right? Exactly. Once they know that we mean business, right? Once they know, we know what we're doing, we know what we're owed, we're willing to pursue it. Company says, okay, fine, let's get this resolved. That's what happens. And that's why, you know, matters don't go to court. They, the, the ones that go to court are the very complex cases when there's, you know, dozens of moving parts and no one can really figure out uh, who's right and who's wrong. And then we kind of leave that to the judge. But no, when it comes to losing your job, how much severance you owed, if, if it's a situation where, you know, your boss did something to you, is that or isn't it a constructive dismissal, for example? Those are straightforward. Those get resolved. So please don't be at home worried about that process and let that avoid you uh, getting your full entitlements. All right, guys, we'll take a, uh, a short break and get right back into it. Just got a couple of calls. We're getting all dusted off and ready to go. You have lots of time and we have lots of open phone lines for you to chime in and join the show today. How do you do it? 416-872-1010. If we get time a little later on, we'll get to some email. That is answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And of course, as mentioned, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the place you want to go any other time outside this hour or even during the show. You can check it out and you'll have full and anonymous access to the severance calculator as well as we can continue the employment law show right here on the bell talk radio network stand by 
119 on your Sunday as we're here right until 2 o'clock. So you got plenty of time to grab a phone and learn something, right? Get some clarity on your employment rights, your employment laws that surround you and your workplace for your entire work life living here in Ontario. So this is key information and it's really easy to absorb. You just got to make the phone call. Lior's here to answer all those questions every week. 416-872-1010 to reach out to us and we'll get to your calls as we uh, continue on. Always our priority in that regard. Jennifer, thank you so much for, for standing by. How are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. Um, okay. And Lior actually helped me in the past many years ago. Love it. So, uh, yeah, he's amazing. I can't recommend him enough. Good. What's on thank your mind? You. Um, so, we, uh, my husband has been employed um, in IT security. Uh, he's had this pretty well the same position for about 12 years, although the company has changed hands a few times. They've always maintained his seniority. Um, the current employer, um, I won't like name names or anything, but the current employer uh, sort of shifted around his responsibilities, took him out of a managerial role, but at the same time bumped his pay. That was fine. That was a couple of years ago. And my husband is like kind of shy and doesn't like to stir the pot. So he's learned kind of the ins and outs of the new company, and recently they took him out of a Monday to Friday 9 to 5 role. Um, and put him on a rotating shift work. Um, they bumped his pay, but they didn't say it was, uh, they bumped his pay like um, because of this change. They said they were just bringing him to park because they realized he was under a little bit. So now we're in a position where like, uh, because he commutes via public transit to Hamilton, he has like, on the days he works, he has like one hour to eat and go to bed basically. So we're just wondering, is there something we can do? Because they've given the nine to five rule to someone with less seniority and for no apparent reason. So Jennifer, when did this change happen? Um, Just before the holidays, actually maybe November. And we've been kind of like wondering what to do with it. And Mm -hmm. it's impacted our lives in a huge way. So the, the big problem is if it happened in November, you know, we're, let's say, a couple of months post that uh, change now. Yeah. The problem is by now he's probably deemed to have accepted it. And, and the, what I mean by that is he would have had absolutely the option to treat that change, that going from a regular schedule to a rotating shift, he could have treated it as a constructive dismissal. There's no way that the employer is able to implement a change like that unilaterally. Uh, it, it's a constructive dismissal. The problem is one now, thing not- I was wondering is that he has complained consistently, and actually one of the guys that was on nine to five said, "I don't even want to be on nine to five until as of tomorrow." He's back on the nine to five, and because we don't get the schedule ever until like the day before month end for the next month, uh, he'll be on back on nine uh, Monday to Friday situation as of tomorrow for at least a month. Okay, so th- what's happened now is by by making that change, you know, uh, a couple months ago, the employer the employer has gained the right now to change his shift. So if they, they can, they'll put him a nine to five, and maybe in a month or two or three, they'll decide back to rotating shift. And at that mm-hmm. point, there's not going to be much that can be done because he had accepted that that change that first time back in November. So mm-hmm. at this point, it doesn't seem like there's much to be done. We would have had a very discussion earlier, this a different discussion, even if mm-hmm. it was beginning of January and we were talking and it was only kind of like a month or so post change but because it's been a couple of months now unfortunately he's he's given them the right and and that that is problematic the best mm-hmm. thing is uh, in, in 
if there's ever changes like that, you know, maybe now they change his role again or compensation, he should really mm-hmm. give me a call so we can talk. How do, uh, how do we deal with that so that it doesn't happen again? I'm, right. I'm afraid that right now he might find himself in a situation where they'll change his schedule and there's not going to be a lot of options because he accepted it back in November. Well, the other issue is that we don't get the schedule is sometimes for one month, sometimes it's for three months, and we don't have it before like the day before the month ends. Like we can't plan our lives. Yeah. His manager's response is, "Well, just book it off. Why should he have to use a vacation day?" I, I, I agree completely, and and that's not at all appropriate. But again. The, the, the issue here is if this has been happening for a while and that's kind of he continued working on that basis, it's now become a term of employment that they let him have the mm-hmm. schedule at the last minute. And that's the problem kind of a, a continuing well, to work. And I'm not saying like, he shouldn't have worked, but continuing to work is the same yeah. as saying, yeah, fine, I'm good with it. I accept it. The employees so, have, have gone together and continually complained about this manager to the point where they gave him like online survey feedback that was hard. And I, and I expressed to my husband, I was like, I don't think that particularly matters because I don't think he listens to that because he's been consistently cutting labor. And yeah. like my husband works for 16 hours before the holidays in one day. Yeah. So, I, you know, unfortunately, complaining, labor. obviously, I think is the way to go. Maybe trying to convince the employer to do the right thing and be more reasonable. But from a strict legal standpoint, uh, mm-hmm. that, that that's just not enough. Uh, and okay. again, we're, we're kind of unfortunately beyond the time where something practical can be done from a legal standpoint. I'm sorry about that, Jennifer. Would it would it be helpful to just like, would there be a way to approach the employer and be like, well, we're seeking legal advice over the scheduling, it's become a big issue. Like, could we say that and see how they Well, you, you can say it, but again, there's not much yeah. that you can do I, I about it. I think it would be effective because the manager okay. is way out of line, and I don't think any of the guys have ever kind of gone there. Jennifer, he can, he can say what he wants, right? There's no law that yeah. stops your husband from saying what he wants, but in terms of what he can actually require them to do, yeah. unfortunately, there's just not much. Okay. Thanks, Jennifer. Appreciate it, pal. And uh, so much for joining the show and uh, your previous uh, patronage as well. I want to move on down the line. And again, 416-872-1010 is how you get on air, talk to us, get some answers. Steve, thanks for standing by, pal. How are you? Good, you? Good, sir. What's on your mind? The reason I'm calling is actually for my son, who is a branch manager for a um, company in Ontario, and he's taking a role or been given offered an opportunity been given offered an opportunity to go to British Columbia Richmond for six months. And his concern was if uh, if he comes back, is he gonna be able to have the same role or should he be getting anything written on a contract form um, for this opportunity for six months? Excellent question. And yes, absolutely. There has to be an agreement. And it doesn't have to be in a formal contract, but in writing an email is just fine too. Outlining, number one, the, the, the length of time that he's going to be there and what happens at the end of that. And here's what I mean. Potentially, uh, if, he, if, if he's simply agreed to go to British Columbia for six months, they may say, well, wait a second. We never told you that you'll have a job after six months. So you're gone after six months. We don't have to pay you anything. So, so you want to avoid that. You also want to avoid a situation where there's you know, no role for him or a very different role for him when he comes back. That all has to be agreed to in advance and in writing. So like I said, you don't require a formal five-page document that everyone signs. Even an email confirming here's what's going to happen from the company is absolutely fine. But to simply, you know, go 
to, for six months and hope that things work out is is too problematic. It could be too dangerous. Uh, I could absolutely see a situation where not only does he not have a job at the end of that, uh, he his severance entitlements could be compromised. So definitely, definitely get it in writing. Uh, and if if he's not in agreement with what they're proposing, frankly, you should say I'm not going to do it because uh, again, he doesn't want to walk away from his job and his career if if they're not going to take care of him at the end of the six months. Right. So if I'm hearing you right, could that could it could it actually mean that if he went out there for six months and it didn't work out, they could almost treat him as if he had only worked for six months instead of like he's been there. No, no, that, that's not what can happen. But what they could say is, wait a second, you're out of a job. We, we gave you six months notice. So that six months counts towards your severance. How many years has your son worked there? It's only been one year. Okay, so they could say, we've given you six months. That's more than enough. We don't have to pay you any severance. So that's what I mean by that. It's not that they won't account for the year. It's just that they, they'll say, we have effectively given you six months severance by giving you six months notice. I would not do that without getting full and written clarification as to the fact that, number one, he has a job uh, after six months, and number two, what that job is going to be and where. I love negotiating. Can I actually jump in and ask a quick question myself? Yep. you got about a half a minute, man. Perfect. I actually renegotiate my contract for a new 12-month agreement um, one month in advance of this six-month period. So should I include this project in my 12-month employment contract? Yes, absolutely. Uh, And it's okay that that agreement be Ontario and that the project be in BC? That's okay? Absolutely. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. And if you want, if you're not sure if something is right or wrong, send me a copy of it. Happy to look at it and give you my thoughts. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. And we'll uh, we'll reconvene on the other side of this break, which is going to happen right now. So give us a call just like that. 416-872-1010. 416-872-1010 to call us here at the radio station. You can email answers at employmentlawyer.ca as well. We continue the Sunday afternoon edition of the Employment Law Show right here. Bell Talk Radio Network. Plenty of time still to call us here at the station. Ask your questions. We're uh, we're loving you when you call in. You're the third wheel of part of the show, and we love having you on air. So feel free to uh, to do so over the next half hour or so. And uh, you do it by calling 416-872-1010. Email answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And we're still working our way down the list of uh, you know answering some questions, Leor. You get all the time from your clients about termination and severance. And um, you know sometimes we talk about you know the average you know working guy and and, and girl in this country. Country. And we know how to calculate severance. You just kind of run it through the severance pay calculator, which is wickedly awesome and convenient and accurate, by the way. But how about those that work in specialized industries where there may be fewer jobs, so higher end jobs? How's that metric change or does it? So any factor that may, may uh, make it more difficult for you to find another job is a factor that's relevant and can increase your severance. So as you said, if you work in a specialized industry and and there's just not a lot of jobs, I don't know, aviation does. So I always use aviation as an example because there tends not to be a ton of jobs in that industry. So if you're in one of those industries, it's going to take you longer than someone else to find another job. Well, what does that mean? That means more severance for you. You're going to you're going to be entitled to more than if you were in a different industry. So 
that's just one example. There's other reasons and other ways where your severance can be increased. You know, for example, if it's a bad economy and again, you can't find a job or, or, or there's just, you know, on high un, uh, unemployment rate, that can also absolutely increase your severance. So anything at all that has to uh, do with your ability to find new employment. So that's why. Uh, the more senior a position, for example, you know, there's there's less CEO positions there. There are there there are entry level positions, right? So the more senior a position, the more severance is owed. So all these things are so important. So it's not a one size fits all type of an analysis. That's why definitely, if you're in a specialized industry, if you're uh, if you believe that it's going to be difficult to find another another job, it's more important than ever to get that legal advice because your entitlements could be that much higher than they otherwise would be. But other than that, a good baseline would still be the severance calculator. And if, of course, there's a contact button at the bottom, you move on from there, right, to get an even more pinpoint accurate number from you and your team, yeah? Absolutely. You start there always. doesn't matter who you are, what kind of job, how long you've worked. Go to the severance calculator. You can find that, of course, at pocketsemploymentlawyer.ca. The very first place you go to to try to start thinking and analyzing and assessing your entitlements. But yes, you're certainly going to want to make the call beyond that because you may be surprised how much more than that actually you may still be out. Again, guys, 416-872-1010 to reach us here at the station for the remaining time. Grab a phone now, call, get in on the chat. Now, next one is, you know, if someone has a, a you know, a contract prevents them from competing, the old non-compete, right, with their employer for 12 months, say it's a year, does that mean they should get at least 12 months severance or how does that work? I get that asked often. So I have a 12-month or 18-month or 24-month non-compete. Does that mean I have to get the equivalent in severance? So, the answer is no, not necessarily. It doesn't mean that it's going to be a, a one-to-one type ratio, but what it will do is it will increase your severance. And why? Remember what I said, that anything that makes it more difficult to find another job is going to increase your severance. Well, if you have a non-compete, that means you can't look for work in a specific industry for a period of time. Well, that means it's going to be more difficult to find a job than if there were no restrictions. So a non-compete will, in fact, increase your severance. It's going to mean more severance. Maybe it means that it's going to be the severance is going to be the same as the non-compete. Maybe it's a different amount, but it's certainly going to increase it. Keeping in mind, of course, that uh, in many cases, a non-compete may not be enforceable. Uh, certainly uh, in Ontario, we have new legislation on that front, and uh, the courts have already said that they don't like non-competes, but it could still absolutely increase your severance. I'll give you another example of how your severance can be increased. Let's say you have a medical condition, a disability, and well, that may mean that it's going to be more difficult to find another job. Well, guess what? That means, again, more severance. So people that have a medical condition, a disability, where there's something physical that uh, affects their ability to work or find another job, those individuals get even more severance than someone else that hasn't or that doesn't have those issues. So again, very, very, very important to get that advice. Uh, The sources of your severance and the reasons to get a lot of severance are, are quite numerous. Yeah, we always tell you to reach out as well beyond the uh, hour of the show and all the other uh, TV and radio we do. And uh, that number is simple, one 821 5900 to reach Leor and his team. Again, one 821 5900 Answers at employmentlawyer.ca to reach out through email. And you can always go, like I said, to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. So much uh, so much to be learned at that site. And use that severance calculator as well. Um, company car. 
it's still kind of a thing. Companies are really cutting back lately, but if you still have that company car, what happens to it if you're let go? So company cars, a lot of people may still have a company car vehicle that the company pays for that they use. So remember the rule when it comes to severance, right? The rule is that you have to be paid on the basis of all your components of compensation as part of your severance. So salary, bonus, benefits, car. So strictly speaking, what the company should be doing, let's say you're owed 12 months severance. Well, they should be allowing you to keep that car for 12 months because it's part of your compensation. The other thing, though, they can do instead of that, if they don't want to let you keep the car, is that they can pay you the equivalent. So let's say that it costs, uh, I don't know, 500 bucks a month to lease a similar car. Mm-hmm. No problem. That means they have to pay you $500 a month times the number of months of severance as part of that severance package. Same thing, by the way, if you have a car allowance. So some companies don't give you a car, but they pay you a certain amount of money uh, every month on account of a car allowance, 200 500 1000 Well, whatever that amount is, that company has to continue paying that over the severance period. And if the severance period is two years, they have to pay it for two years. So an important reminder here that your severance does include everything, all components of your compensation. It's not just your salary and benefits. It's absolutely everything. And if you have a car, that could certainly be quite a big deal for you. 416-872-1010 to call the show. That's how we ask you to, to contact us here with the, uh, during the hour of the show to ask your questions. You can do it afterwards, but if you feel like grabbing a phone, you can do that now. The other part of this is maybe it's not a company car. Maybe it's like, you know, we've all rented an apartment, I would imagine, sometime. Usually the superintendent's got a nice suite on the ground floor. Now, many of them get to stay for free at the apartment uh, where they work. It's one of the perks, right? What happens to those guys or those uh, those people in the apartment uh, when they're let go, if they're released from their job? So oftentimes with superintendents, for example, they don't get as high a salary, but what they do get is an apartment that they can stay in for free uh, while they while they work. And, and obviously that is a huge benefit. Well, if you lose your job, just like I said before, your severance has to include the apartment because it's part of your compensation. So what the employer should be doing, again, let's use my 12-month example. If you're owed 12 months severance, that means they have to allow you to keep the apartment for 12 months. If it's 24-month severance, and for 24 months. Alternatively, if they don't want you to stay in the apartment, they can simply say, okay, well, that apartment would cost, I don't know, 800 bucks a month or mm-hmm. 1000 bucks a month, whatever it is, to rent. Well, we're going to add that money to the severance as part of the severance. So if it's a thousand bucks, then we're gonna pay a thousand bucks times the number of months of severance. But the bottom line is it has to be included. So any really component of your compensation has to be included. Some companies uh, have uh, other, you know, they, they may have a, a, a component of compensation that's a, a physical exam. I've seen that certainly with some executives. So they pay yeah. to have this comprehensive physical exam that you do once a year. Well, guess what? That would have to be included as part of your severance. Why? Because it's the idea is simple. They have to put you in the same position that you would have been in had you continued working. So if you would have received some benefit, some perk, some allowance, that has to be included as part of the severance. They can't just forget about that. And for some people, that can add up very quickly, especially mm-hmm. if we're talking bonuses. No, I would have had a bonus I would have gotten in three months if I had just stayed there for three months. Well, wait a second. As long as your severance period takes you beyond that point, that has to be included too. And I've seen so many times, more times than I can count, companies saying, well, no, no, let's just not include that. Can't do that. Can't get away with it. 
So if you're being let go, you have to consider all components of your compensation. Yeah, that's interesting. A lot of people look at it from the time they were let go backwards, whereas it's a go forward basis. Like you said, I would have received that over the next 12 months on month severance. That's a, that's a, that's a key piece of information, I think. Well, actually, it's both backwards and forward. Yeah. So, so let's say uh, you're, you're let go now in, in, in January. Well, number one, there's the bonus that you would have earned in 2022, okay? And, and number two is that the bonus that you would have expected to earn going forward. So both of those things have to be addressed when it comes awesome. to bonus. And if your employer is not doing that, well, guess what? They're doing something wrong. Love it. Call us. You want more information? Let's get it on air uh, for the remaining time of the show. 416-872-1010. Answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And we'll continue more of the Employment Law Show coming up. Bell Talk Radio Network. Hang on. Uh, 149 Sunday afternoon employment law show. You still got some minutes to call in and ask your questions. We uh, invite you to do that with open phone lines 416 872 1010. We'll continue on the uh, questions about severance and uh, and stuff like that termination that Lior gets all the time. So we uh, we know that an employer does not have to pay severance if an employee did something terrible that amounts to what they call just cause. We've talked about that before. If the employer finds out that the employee did something bad, what should the employer do? Well, the first thing they shouldn't do is to jump to the conclusion that they can just fire the employee mm. for cause. And, and you you alluded to this, and our regular listeners know this, I hope, that it's not the same as, you know, being terminated for cause. It's not the same as doing something wrong. Those are not equal. You can only be let go for cause if either you've done a bunch of stuff wrong or you did some one thing wrong that's terrible. If you, you know, one time stole, as an example, well, obviously you can be let go for cause. Your employer doesn't have to give you a second chance. But most people, when they're let go for cause, it's not because they stole or they hit someone. It's because the company is not happy with something that they did. That's fine. But that doesn't mean you can be let go for cause. And, and if the company gets it wrong, they have to pay you your full severance. You may have done something wrong. And the company says, we have cause. Wait a second. Look, you did it wrong. You can't even argue about that. You did something wrong. So we have cause. We're not going to pay you a dime in severance. Yeah. No, no, no. Can't do that because cause is reserved for the worst offenders. So what the company should do if an employee does something wrong is if they want to, is they can build the case. So they can start by providing a warning, you know, and, and then something else wrong happens. They can provide a second warning and maybe even a third final warning. And then and only then can they be in a position to even consider a termination for cause. You have to put in that time. You have to give the employee the opportunity to improve. You have to tell them that there could be additional consequences if uh, you know things don't get better. And again, if you do that, maybe you're in a position to terminate for cause. Maybe you're in a position to avoid paying severance. But I see it time and time again, John. It's actually rare, very rare for me to see a case where the company did what it was supposed to to properly establish cause. They say, well, you know, you did something wrong. You made a big mistake on the uh, Johnson project. Well, no, that doesn't mean that 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 is cause. That doesn't mean that the employer is legally able to terminate without severance. So if your employer built up a case and warned you and you know you did something wrong and you know, there's those efforts to improve your your uh, conduct, then maybe there's cause. Otherwise, there isn't. You could be owed your full severance as much as 24 months pay. So that much more important in those cause situations to give me a call. 
You know, it's interesting, and I'll get your comment on this one. The flip side of that is, and this really happened, I was talking to a guy who was a recent employee at a gym, been there for a few months doing the overnight shift, and he was uh, he was set to go into a shift. He got in a car accident with his cousin. He got banged up pretty bad. The airbag went off in his face. He looked like a raccoon. He, he called us, says, guys, I can't come in. I just And they're like, well, you got to come in. It's, it's an overnight shift. There's nobody here to cover. You're here alone. He goes, I can't come in. He goes, well, you got to show up. He goes, all right. You know what? Screw you guys. I quit. I'm like, no, 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 no. Don't do that. And he did. He quit. I go, you shouldn't have quit. He goes, what should I have done? I said, well, I could tell you what you should have done, but it's this is my gym and I know the owner, so it's of conflict. <laughs> so I'm not going to say anything, but I just thought to myself, man, people do that all the time. They go, all right, screw you. I quit then. Never do that. No, not a good thing. In fact, what he should have done here, I can, I can say it, is he could have simply said, no, I'm not coming in. I can't mm-hmm. l- medically come in. And it's up to the employer to figure out what to do, if, even if it means the employer has to shut down the gym or, or come himself uh, right. to, to run the gym. It, it's not a possibility. And the employee can't actually be penalized in that situation because it's out of their control. It's not like they decided not to show up to work. If, if medically they're unable to, yeah, they can follow up afterwards with the doctors, not confirming that they weren't able to work. Mm-hmm. But no, don't, don't quit in that situation. Never, in fact, quit in that situation. He would have been better off to be let go because of yep. that, because then he would have gotten his full severance. And potentially there could even be human rights issues, whereas because he resigned, he's not owed anything. So we've talked before about this idea of forced resignations, kind of when you feel like you don't have a choice. You always have a choice and you should never, ever resign unless you simply decide you want to move on to somewhere else. Don't resign because you don't think you have a choice. You got it. A few minutes to go here. You still got some time yourself. 416-872-1010 to call in and uh, and talk to us. We're going to continue here. So if an employee wants to be let go, maybe they just got soured on the whole thing because they, they want to leave with severance. How about that? Can you ask for severance? Is there a way to approach the employer for that one? Well, certainly you you can you can always ask and say to the employer, you know, how about I leave with severance? And, and you know, that there's nothing wrong with that. The worst thing that can happen is your employer says, no, uh, I don't want to, to do that. So no, thanks. And they're in exactly in the same situation you're uh, in right now. One of the ways to do that is if you're getting the impression that the company is not really happy to have you there anymore, maybe they've been holding off on letting you go because gosh, they, they know it's going to cost, cost them a lot of severance. Uh, and you don't really want to work there anymore. So it's kind of like, you know, who's going to blink first? Yeah. Well, what you could do in that situation is to go to the company and say, listen, we both know this is not working out. I'll agree to leave, but let's talk about what severance is going to look like. And maybe I can even take a bit of a discount over what I'd be actually owed and engage them in that discussion. The worst thing they could do is to say, no, uh, we, we, we don't want you to go. Fine. But there's no downside in doing that. Just make sure when you do that, you're not, you're not quitting. You're not saying, okay, employer, just, you know, I'm quitting tomorrow. Now let's talk severance. No, that, that, that is terrible. What you say is, listen, I'd be willing to leave if we do X and Y. Nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, and oftentimes an employer may jump at the opportunity to do that uh, with you. Let's get to a couple emails here again. Anytime you want to send one along outside the hour of the show, of course, answers at employmentlawyer.ca. Uh, Joseph says, guys, I worked for a company for just under three months as director of sales, making around 150 k They let me go and said I wasn't a good fit. They said I was on probation. Do they owe me anything? Absolutely. There's first of all, there's no such thing as as you know six months probation or what have you, and, and even probation, even for the first three months, it has to be in an employment agreement. You have to sign something that says you're on probation, and even then, you're still probably owed severance. And even this person, after uh, only a short 
uh, service could easily be out somewhere in the six-month range, even after short service. So definitely, definitely give me a call. Get to a uh, phone call here in many minutes. Maureen, thank you so much for uh, for hanging out. How are you? Hi, I'm doing good. How are you? Good. What's your question? Hi, so um, I have a question. Yes, so mm-hmm. I work with this company. I work in retail. Um, currently, I'm an international student, uh, so I'm only available like to work 20 hours, but, you know, the changes and stuff. In uh, July, in May to August, I was on internship. So I spoke with my employer, um, told her the situation that I only be available like only one day per week, um, which would be on the Saturday, which they agreed to. Before that, I used to get my hours, like up to my 20 hours. But after um, finishing internship, I realized I'm not getting as much hours anymore. And when I spoke with the employee, um, the employer, um, she didn't really give me a a solid answer, basically. Um, so is there something that can be done in regards to that? Because even after finishing internship, I was never given back my hours. Um, they hired new people, and I was just stuck with just one day. It's only like every now and then she might give me like two days, and in the holidays. So, Maureen, here's what this comes down to. It comes down to what mm-hmm. the agreement was when you went on the internship. If the agreement was that after that internship you're going to be back to normal, then no, this is not legal. It could be a constructive dismissal. You can treat this as a termination and get severance. But you would have to be able to show that you asked for less hours, but we've agreed that come August or whatever it was, you'll be back to normal hours. If you can show that, if there's something in an email or a witness or something to confirm that that was the deal, definitely a constructive dismissal. If you can't show that, they'll simply say, well, we did what we had to and we never agreed that we'll be bringing you back to 20 hours. So you have to go back and see, can you establish that there was a deal? If there was, happy to help you pursue a constructive dismissal. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. I'll definitely look into that. Excellent. Appreciate it. Really appreciate the time on the phone today. And that'll just about do it for us for our time. But you can continue the conversation with Lior and his team now that we are done until next week. How do you do it? one 821 5900 The number answers at employmentlawyer.ca. And of course, you have the option of pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, free and anonymous website and access to the severance calculator. And please join us this coming Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. on CP24 for Ask a Lawyer as well. Maybe your phone call will end up on that show. And we'll talk to you next week for another edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy your Sunday and the rest of your week.